Welcome. You have arrived to the Mostly Peaceful Podcast. Your source for the truth and the answers to your curiosity. All that is hidden shall be revealed. In this day and age, mm. I'm hoping that people see as quick as you get it. It's like dope money. Come quick, leave quicker. So mm. when it comes to this technology, exactly what it is. You got instant gratification thing. You can touch as many people with it as quick as they want to go. Mm-hmm. They can pull it from you. Mm. And right now we're talking about, are we talking about a virus? Mm. A virus, that's what we talk about. SIRS, MERS, BIRD, swine, Ebola, now Corona. Like, come on, folks. I mean, you got to really... You gotta read the tea leaves, bro. You gotta, the devil's in the details. And with that said, is oh, yeah. if you look at the recovery numbers on what we're talking about, I don't know what it is, but I guess the flu went on vacation on this year. Heart attacks went on vacation. vacation this year. All Everything went on vacation this year when it came to. I'm talking about okay. you know what we're going through right now. Okay. And let's just call a spade a spade. And the reason I can have this conversation is because my family comes from communism. They fled communism. They had everything taken away from them. Everybody got murdered. Everybody got killed. And that's the reason me being a first generation Cuban American, or maybe us being first generation Cuban Americans, I look at freedom and I appreciate that shit. I appreciate opportunity. I appreciate anything that you give me. All I need is a little slip, partner, and I got you. And that comes from the fact that when a Castro took over everything, and I'm looking at what's going on right now, the only person here that's hot, 38 hot. It's Castro. He's going, y'all did it with a virus? Shit. Y'all took over the world with a virus? Y'all gotta be kidding me. He had missiles pointed to the United States of America during the Russian Missile Crisis, wow. during the Bay of Pigs and what they went, went on through. So this shit gets deep. The only thing is, is do you want to realize how deep it is? You know, that's, that's the way I look at this shit. And even going into this, I don't know if y'all know about this, but might as well put it out there, especially in y'all show, because y'all got folks that need this more than anybody. We yeah. all need it. There's a, there's a, a rehearsal that went, on, that went on before this whole shit is called Event 201. October 18th, 2019, this shit came out. It was ran by the John Hopkins University, which is in cahoots with Bill Gates, Melinda Gates Foundation. Normally, I would fade that out, but I'm not going to because it doesn't need to be faded. Um, he's exactly right, and that's Pitbull, man. That's a dude that came from communism, all right? So when he's telling you that he sees what's going on, maybe you should listen and not have that, let's call it, what do they call that, the normalcy bias that, oh, everything's going to be okay because we live in America and we're free. So we're going to be okay. And, uh, you know, communism isn't coming to America. No, 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 it is. It is. It is. Anyway, welcome to the Mostly Peaceful Podcast. Today is February 8th. 2021. All right. 
Now, let's talk about what Pitbull just said. Now, event 201, okay? What is that? Well, let's just hear what the people from event 201, a global pandemic exercise. This is from the Center for Health Security.org. Okay. Okay. Now, event 201, this is from them, was a 3.5-hour pandemic tabletop exercise that simulated a series of dramatic scenario-based facilitated discussions confronting difficult, true-to-life dilemmas associated with a response to a hypothetical but scientifically plausible pandemic. Now, 15 global business, government, and public health leaders were players in the simulation exercise that highlighted unresolved real-world policy and economic issues that could be solved with sufficient political will, financial investment, and attention now and in the future. The exercise consisted of pre-recorded news broadcasts, live staff briefings, and moderated discussions in specific topics. These issues were carefully designed in a compelling narrative that educated the participants and the audience. The Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation jointly proposed these recommendations. Okay, so what was the purpose? In recent years, the world has seen a growing number of epidemic events, amounting to approximately 200 events annually. These events are increasing and they are disruptive to health, economies, and society. Managing these events already strains global capacity, even absent a pandemic threat. Experts agree that it is only a matter of time before one of these epidemics become global. A pandemic with potentially catastrophic consequences, a severe pandemic, which becomes Event 201, would require reliable cooperation among several industries, national governments, and key international institutions. Um, uh, listen, this is funny. All right. So, recent economic studies show that pandemics will be the cause of an average annual economic loss of 0.7% of the global GDP, or $570 billion, which is, uh, what, half of what BLM did in... Uh, public destruction anyway the player's response to this scenario illuminated the need for cooperation among industries national governments key international key international institutions and civil society to avoid the catastrophic consequences that could arise from a large-scale pandemic uh, here's the fun part similar to the center's three previous exercises clade x Dark winter. Now I'm saying dark winter because remember Joe Biden's words. We are headed for a dark winter. And Atlantic storm. Event 201 aimed to educate senior leaders at the highest level of U.S. and international governments and leaders in global industries. It is also a tool to inform members of the policy and preparedness communities and the general public. This is distinct from many other forms of Simulation exercises that test protocols or technical policies of specific organization. Exercises that are similar to Event 201 are particularly effective way to help policymakers gain a fuller understanding of the urgent challenges they could face in a dynamic real-world crisis. Okay, so there's more, 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 more. So this is 
from the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Okay, so if you want to do your own little, uh, you know, fact-checking, just Google Event 201. Now, why would they have this? Now, Bill Gates also had a TED Talk about the next big thing was going to be a pandemic. And they now use the word what? Build back better? So what does build back better really mean? It seems to me that build back better means let's destroy the economy. Let's destroy the small businesses. We will have the largest wealth transfer in American history, maybe global, okay, to the top, what, 0.001% of the country, um, making more money than they ever have, and all the wealth from these small businesses will go up to them, and then from there, we can control. We can control, meaning, you know, the, the elites, our rulers, our betters, um, they can control the way they build back everything. So their build back better is build back better for them. Build back better so they can control. Build back better so they will have more of a stranglehold on us and what we do with our lives. They love, they love the control. Have you noticed the Democrats? It's always the Democratic, like, uh, we'll say New York, like Governor Cuomo, who killed, what, 13,000 people alone just in uh, putting people in um, retirement homes or whatever you want to call them that were uh, COVID positive. Was that on purpose? I don't know. Then he messed around with the numbers. So that should be against the law. You should go to jail for that. But he won't because he is our better and people that are our betters do not go to jail. We know that. The lawyer that uh, set up Trump or helped, you know, set up Trump, he got probation or whatever he got. And what, $100 fine? And I think he has to mop a couple gym floors somewhere. Um, that's okay. That's okay. But you get caught with, uh, you know, a little ecstasy in your pocket and you're going to go to jail for 10 years. So just, you know, you need to realize the world that's going on around you. Um also, the gun bills that are coming out now. Actually, you know what? Before I even get into any of that, let's um, make sure that we keep this cohesive. So how does this fit in to, this was what, October 19th that this started? So that was before any kind of pandemic, right? It was a couple months before, and then all of a sudden the pandemic came. And it came, just so happened to come inside in an election year. And then they were able to put in the what? Mail-in voting. So now Times Magazine came out with an article claiming that the titans, the titans of business and government got together and shook hands from both sides of the political aisle and they made sure that they got the right outcome and they didn't steal the election, they fortified it. All right, so let me read you just... A couple of pieces from this. You have to you have to read this whole thing. Um, you really have to do your homework here because you, <laughs> man, these people really wanted credit for this. So this is by Molly Ball, Time Magazine. 
the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. The shadow campaign. All right, so the secret history, blah, blah, blah. A weird thing happened right after the November 3rd election. Nothing. The nation was braced for chaos. Liberal groups have vowed to take to the streets, planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. In a poll, but before Election Day, 75% of Americans voiced concerned about violence. Instead, the eerie quiet descended, descended as President Trump Refused to concede. The response was not mass action, but crickets. When the media organization called the race for Joe Biden on November 7th, jubilation broke out instead. Uh-huh. As people throng cities across the U.S. to celebrate the, the democratic process that resulted in Trump's ouster. Full stop. It's not a democratic process when you literally... Go in there to change laws and change things to get the outcome that you want. You took away our voice. But you're proud of it. You're literally proud of it. A second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempt to reverse the result. Corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of them who had backed Trump's candidacy and support his and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protest and coordinated the resistance from the CEOs, Full stop. When they say protest, do they mean the BLM? Do they mean all the destruction and death that they caused just to win an election? I noticed they don't say nothing about the pandemic on here, but I don't know. I guess that'd be too much, wouldn't it? Anyway, coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. The pack was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and AFL-CIO published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see it as sort of a implicit bargain, inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protest, sometimes destructive, full stop, you fucking pieces of shit. Anyway, back to the story, in which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. You people are so blinded by your hatred. This is uh, me talking. You're so blinded by your hatred that you don't even realize what you're saying, I think. Or you just, you, you think you did something good. But what you really did was took away, you know, I don't know, 80 million people's voices. Because you thought you knew better. Because you people always think you know better. Your elitist, your elitism, your stupid stories about everything needed to be racist and this and that. Read the WAPO. Read any of these freaking columns. You guys write the stupidest stories and they're always about race and they're always trying to divide and get clicks. 
and you're destroying, you're destroying cultures. You're destroying America because you went to school and a couple of your teachers told you that uh, socialism and uh, communism is the way to go. And your bosses tell you to write that stuff. Why? Because you get more clicks. Because you're doing what the Democrats want you to do. You're doing what the left wants you to do. Are you doing what China wants you to do? Who are you doing this for? Did you get indoctrinated when you went to your, you know, Ivy League school where you paid all this money to go to school to learn absolutely nothing except a intolerant, intoxifying, destructive ideology that now you believe is everything? You lie to the public to get them to what? Believe in what you believe in? To hate each other? Why? Why do you think that's what sells? Why do you sell hate for a living? Do you know what I mean? And then you think that you're doing something good, something noble. You have a cause for this. Is is that what you believe? Because I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't talk to you people. I don't know you people, but I know people like you. You know, you were the kids that got beat up in high school. Maybe you had no friends, but your parents might have had money. So you did good in school because you had no one to hang out with and party with and talk to. And then you went to your schools, whatever schools they may be, your Ivy League schools or your community college, doesn't really matter. But what you wanted to be, I'm guessing, was either a fine arts person, a real news reporter. What did you want to be when you went to school? What did you want to write about? Butterflies? But no, you write about lies and hate and try to divide people. So to me, I look at you, your parasites, just feeding off of hatred. You like the hatred, you eat it, it makes you money. You are the worst type of people in the world. You believe because you have some sort of piece of paper or some fake award that you might have gotten because, uh, you know, you did what your boss told you to, who got an email from the DNC which told him to do something, and you think you're special. And let me just keep reading one more thing here on this. The handshake between business and labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election. An extraordinary shadow effort dedicated to not winning the vote, but to ensure it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted. (laughs) So the exact opposite, full stop, the exact opposite is what you're saying there. (laughs) Man. All right, so for more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives scrambled to shore up America's institutions as it came under simultaneous attacks from remorseless pandemic and autocracy, wait no, sorry, autocratically inclined president. Though much of this activity took place on the left, it was separate from the Biden campaign and crossed ideological lines. And with crucial contribu- uh, contributions by nonpartisan and conservative actors, the scenario the shadow campaigners were desperate to stop was not a Trump victory. It was an election so calamitous 
that no result could be discerned at all. A failure of the central act of democratic self-governance that has been a hallmark of America since its founding. Full stop. You mean the America that you constantly put down and say you hate and is bigoted and bad and everything under the sun is wrong with it. That's the one you were wanting to protect. That was it. You lying, disgusting, arrogant fools. Because you are saying this as if people are stupid enough to believe it. Now, maybe people that hated Trump because they were taught to hate Trump may agree with this and think it's a good thing. But even them, or they, shouldn't think this is a good thing. Because cheating is which was, is what you did. You cheated. You changed the laws. You changed stuff. You had a uh, pandemic come. We all know it. And if you didn't, doesn't matter. Your little virus came, which you guys were talking about a couple months before. Actually, I think at the same time this all started. How odd. <laughs> oh, what a coincidence. Um, so it all worked out so great for you guys, didn't it? And now look at the walls we have because walls don't work around Washington, D.C. Look at the National Guard. Now they're vetting the National Guard for white supremacists. So, yeah, it looks like you guys did your job. You won. Good job. Clap, everybody. Cheers all around. Clap for them. You guys did such a great thing. We're all so happy that you did this, that you put in a puppet regime. An authoritarian puppet regime. We're so happy about this. Thank you. I know that's what you want. This is the reason you wrote it. Because you want thanks. You want to be recognized. You want people to know that you're the ones that helped to get Trump out. Right? Like serial killer. You wanted credit for it. For your heinous act. But it was beautiful to you. Just like a serial killer. When they kill people. It's beautiful to them. And they want people to know they did it. Well. I for one am happy. That you came out to tell us this. Because. We already knew. Now. To the people who call themselves. uh, Anti-fascist. And protect Antifa. Now remember, these people are backwards. So if you're anti-fascist, that means you're pro-fascist. If you're, you know, a male feminist, it just means that you want to try to have sex with girls because you can't get laid any other way and you're hoping that's the way it's going to happen. But let's see here. So if you are anti-fascist, what does fascism mean? What is fascism? I'll go through a couple different definitions, and you guys tell me what you think. Okay? So, the first one I found was, A system of government marked by a centralization of authority under a dictator. A capitalist economy subject to stringent governmental controls. Violent suppression of the opposition. Doesn't this sound so familiar to you guys? Sounds kind of like what's happening right now, doesn't it? Censorship of the opposition. 
Um, what's the other word I would like to say? Uh, making the opposition look less than unhuman, dehumanizing of the opposition. Hmm. That's very fascistic sounding to me. Let's try another one. All right. The ideology also carries a unique economic structure. Although not all fascist governments practice the exact same type of economy, some general characteristics do apply. In a fascistic economy, the role of government is more than simply regulatory. It has strong influence over controlling investments and industries. Under this type of economy, the government ensures that the most successful entrepreneurs are supported in their business ventures while simultaneously working to dismantle others in order to garner government support. What is fascism? It is a government system based on authoritarian nationalism. Although there is no specific definition of fascism, oh, okay, its practice typically shares the same principal beliefs of anti-communism, anti-liberalism, and anti-conservatism. Its politics are often able to gain widespread support by proposing the idea of a national rebirth. Hmm. This idea suggests that the current society has reached moral decay and must be cleansed. That means us. We must be cleansed. Supporters of fascism believe that the government should function under one single party in order to become more efficient and effective in order to respond quickly to military threats or economic problems. The leader under fascism is often a dictator and publicly officials are often of military background. This type of government first became popular in Europe during the early 1900s. So, what I would say is there is a lot of parallels here. Don't you see them? I do. Did you guys hear about this story yet? Uh, So, BLM was at the nation's capital and... They were BLM Antifa protesters chant, burn it down during March through nation's capital. Black Lives Matter and Antifa marched through the streets of Washington, D.C. on Saturday night. In one video, marchers can be heard chanting, burn it down. The protesters also became violent with a D.C. police officer outside a restaurant. Oh, my God. You guys, we better start searching. They are domestic terrorists. They are the worst. They were trying to do an insurrection. That's what this was. That's what it was. BLM and Antifa protesters took to the streets in the nation's capital Saturday night. A video posted by independent videographer Brendan Gutenschwager shows the marchers moving through what appeared to be a residential neighborhood chanting, If we don't get it, burn it down. Evil. Listen to the evil. Terrorism. These are domestic insurrection terrorists. Oh, wait. No, they're not. Because they're anti-fascist. And they're Black Lives Matter. So, it's okay. They can do whatever they want. They can burn churches down. They can shoot people in their face. They can loot stores. They can uh, destroy Portland for, what, four months straight? Um, that's okay. That's okay. Our streets. Our streets. Our streets. This is in Washington, D.C. 
So Fox News reported the Total Liberation Collective and the Palm Collective organized the D.C. Queer and Trans Black History March and Rally began, which began at 2 p.m. Following the event, BLM protesters began marching near DuPont Circle. The article states, as the marchers approached the rural restaurants, protesters began harassing diners. Did they? You are the fascist, you stupid fucks. Um, anyway, marchers wearing black block turn began harassing police officers with chants and blinding strobe lights. How wonderful. Yeah, it says here, a protester shines lights to police as they pause to march outside a row of D.C. restaurants. Yesterday was his birthday. Put your mask in, Get it, Fuck you, Fuck Uh, police officers monitored the crowd closely until the groups eventually disappeared or dispersed. So anyway, that's all good and fun. As long as they're not, you know, Trump supporters, then that means they're insurrectionists and bad, bad people, even though they didn't burn down the church, but that's okay. Um... I'm just going to get into another couple things that have happened since I've taken my break. Um, So, all right, I got a question. I want to know. All right, so Jeff Bezos stepped down from Amazon. I don't know why, but I would love to know why he did. And I'm going to try to find that out. There's got to be a reason. He's probably working on something really creepy. That's all I know. Um, Jeff Zucker is stepping down at the end of the year. Why? I don't know if he's going to go start something else or they don't need him anymore because Trump is not in office. So now they're going to need someone that's going to be sweet and ask him what ice cream he likes as he starts three wars to make money and also starts, uh, you know, hitting Americans with drone strikes because he claims they are, you know, uh, domestic terrorists, even though they're just, you know, Trump supporters who believe in America. But that's all. And, uh, Yeah. Also, so Tesla just got behind Bitcoin and they're going to accept that as payment. So now Bitcoin is skyrocketing. So if you were waiting to buy in the dip, you're going to have to wait a little bit. All right. Um, So Liz Cheney, who is not liked very much in her Wyoming place of uh, where she got elected, I guess, where she represents. Um, they kept Liz Cheney and they took Marjorie Green Taylor off of her committee assignments. And Mitch McConnell says she is a cancer. 
And I guess that's because he at one point uh, was reading Q and some other stupid conspiracy shit. So now they're acting like she's the worst thing in the world, even though she is not. She apologized for the things she has said in the past and for reading, you know, the conspiracy stuff, but doesn't matter. So anyway, her constituents, um, I believe 75% of the vote went to her. So they just lost their representation, really, all because the Democrats wanted it. And uh, the faux party, or let's call them faux opposition party, the Republican Party, let them take her off. So that was really nice. Even though you can have people like Elhan Omar saying anti-Semitic stuff and uh, AOC saying everyone's white supremacists in the GOP, Rashida Tlaib talking some anti-Semitic stuff because her family's from Palestine. So she has a true, pure hatred of Israel. She really does. Um, and let's talk about Nancy Mace. All right. Rep. Nancy Mace, who I seem to really like. But anyway, so I know you guys probably know this story. It was kind of old. It's from last week, but I wasn't doing my podcast. But AOC made up this huge story of how she was at the, you know, Capitol and they were coming for her and banging down her door and she wasn't sure if the Capitol policeman was there to kill her or not. And she was hiding in her bathroom and all this story for 90 minutes on Instagram. And then it comes to find out that she wasn't even in the dome. She was in her office. That was a five to seven minute walk away from where it was all happening. So, and then I think she made, oh man, this makes me sick. Um, she made a crying session. It was her idea to get all the survivors, the, the survivors of the insurrection. It's not even, uh, I'm just going to call it that because that's what they do. Um, and they all had their quiet reflecting of what happened to them. Forget about the burning down of people's cities and all the people's businesses that got shattered and burned down during the BLM protest that they helped, you know, like Kamala Harris helped bail them out and Joe Biden and AOC said, keep going, keep going, defund the police, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, the hypocrisy is just never ending, but they don't care about that. But listen to this. Now, this is the best part. This woman, Rashida Tlaib, wasn't even there, but listen to her speech. Thank you so much to my colleague for her incredible courage. I asked her to go last because I get, um, because this is so personal. This is so hard because as many of my colleagues know, my closest colleagues know, on my very first day of orientation, I got my first death threat. It was a serious one. They took me aside. The FBI had to go to the gentleman's home. I didn't even get sworn in yet when someone wanted me dead for just existing. More came later, uglier, more violent. One celebrating and writing the New Zealand massacre and hoping that more would come. Another mentioning my dear son, Adam. 
mentioning him by name. Each one paralyzed me each time. So what happened on January 6th, all I could do was thank Allah that I wasn't you here. fake, phony, fucking piece of shit. Alexandria, so many of my colleagues that were here. Alexandria Ocasio Smollett. I am not there. Yeah, I wasn't there, but I'm so sad about it. Remember when I got first elected and I said impeach the motherfucker, but I got death wish because I'm Islamic. Shut up. I can't stand this lying emotional manipulation of people i i can't take it um it's the worst thing i've ever seen especially in our congress maybe you should have had people that actually had some real trauma happen to them come up there you know from around the country but those people aren't important are they you're the important one you're the important one remember impeach the motherfucker remember all the shit that you did to trump did he get to go out there and cry and cry because all the death threats from all you people. No, he didn't. He didn't. And all the lies, you lie about him constantly. Did he get to cry about it? No. You know why? Because he's a leader. And you're a cry, baby, selfish worm. And I can't take it anymore. I don't want to hear you crying. All right? Do your job that you get paid a lot of money for and keep your mouth shut and stop trying to be a Twitter superstar like AOC wants to be and, you know, get back to doing the people's work. That's why you were elected, which was probably fake anyway. George Soros probably, you know, did some magic for you. All right. So for the last thing I'm going to talk about today, because you could tell I'm a little annoyed is uh, a lovely story. So BLM is going to be putting some curriculum into our schools like they haven't already. But anyway, let me read you a story. Here it goes. Black Lives Matter curriculum coming to an elementary school near you. So the liberals have proven one thing over the decades. They know what or they know that the best way to infiltrate and systematically change a culture is by brainwashing elementary age children with their agendas. Full stop. Absolutely correct. Um, and they're rolling out the exact same game plan now with BLM game plan. Sorry. It's coming to your kids elementary school and much sooner than you may think. Okay. So the Carter, well, this is, Tweet, 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 tweets. It says, think that could only happen to far left New York or California? Wrong. It comes to Ames, Iowa next week from the school board's own website. Here's what it says. During the week of February 1 to 5, classrooms across the district will engage in Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action, a five-day guide to expand students' understanding of the Black Lives Matter at school principals. Why is Ames CSD participating in Black Lives Matter at School National Week of Action? The Black Lives Matter at School movement, which is not formally affiliated with the Black Lives Matter Global Network or any other organization in the movement for black lives, bullshit, 
is a push to improve school for black students, teachers, and families. The movement is a call to schools across the nation to say and show that black lives matter within the school walls and in the policies and practices that impact the lives and futures of black students. The week of action is set a time aside to affirm all black identities by centering black voices, empowering students, and teaching about black experiences beyond slavery. The week of action not only benefits black students, but can also be transformative for non-black students, particularly the white ones, because they are the ones that really need the teaching. Due in large part to school and the residential segregation, white students often get a narrow view of blackness from their lived experiences. (laughs) Just shoot me. Just fucking shoot me. Recall that our secondary equity audit stated that three were, wait, There were patterns of racial segregation within academic tracks, specifically black, Latinx, and Native American students who were less likely to be in a class with white and Asian students. Furthermore, in our 2020 Spring Panorama Culture and Climate Survey, only 14% of our 6th to 12th grade students responded favorably to the question, How often do students at your school have important conversations about race, even when they might be uncomfortable? In addition, only 24% of 6th to 12th grade students responded favorably to the question. When there are major news events related to race, how often do adults at your school talk about them? The Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action provides us with an opportunity to improve in these areas. Full stop. What this does is not help black people in any way or any other non-white person since all white people are exactly the same and we all come from the same place it's, it's this place called whitest Dan, all right and it's this place where all the white people come from and um we all need to be taught better all right this is not for black people this is not to help black people focusing on race is the worst thing you could possibly do for people of any color and origin we need to back off the identity politics, get it out of the schools, it's destructive, and they're doing it on purpose. They want a weak culture so that we have weak people. So it's easily taken over. And this will not help black people achieve better. It will actually bring them down. Because when you focus on something that you can't change about yourself constantly, it is destructive to your soul. I could keep going and keep talking about this, but I'm just not gonna because I don't just think it deserves it. I think it's evil. Anyway, so I hope you guys had a wonderful time today and enjoyed every second of it like I did. And I hope you guys share this with your friends. Give me a rating on Apple Podcast, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Have a good day, everybody.